The information discussed in this episode is intended as general information only. It is not intended for one-on-one medical advice, and you should always consult your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. And if you like the content discussed in this episode, please go leave a review so that others can benefit from it as well. I am a woman on a mission that is dedicated to teaching you just how powerful your body was built to be. I like to do that by bringing you the latest science, the greatest thought leaders, and applicable steps that help you tap into your own internal healing power. The purpose of this podcast is to give you the power back and help you believe in yourself again. My name is Dr. Mindy Pels, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hello, Resetters. Happy Monday. And if it's not Monday for you, happy happy day, whatever day it is for you. Jessica here. I am the co-host and sidekick of Dr. Mindy for the Resetter Podcast. And I want to welcome you to episode 46, What's Driving Our Inflammation? with our guest, Brendan Vermeer. Brendan is a functional medicine consultant, clinical researcher, board-certified holistic health practitioner, a master nutrition coach, a master personal trainer, USAW sports performance coach, and CrossFit certified trainer. He also has a podcast called The Holistic Savage, and you you can find that podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And he also has a great Instagram. He's under the name The Holistic Savage as well there. And he's got a lot of great information, particularly about mold, which we are discussing on the podcast episode today. But if you find yourself wanting to know more after you listen to this episode, go check him out. And on today's episode, we're also not just going to dive in on mold, but we're also going to talk about the toxins that are swarming in our brains right now, how to get out of a cytokine storm, finding the main culprit of your inflammation, what mold does to the average person, how EMFs and wireless wireless internet is damaging us, and why 2020 should be a wake-up call for everyone. And this was such a great conversation because if, if you've been following Dr. Mindy for some time, whether it's on YouTube or social media or you're a Reset Academy member, a Toxin Reset member, you know that we are extremely passionate about downregulating inflammation, about detoxing. You've heard Dr. Mindy say we are living in the most toxic time in human history. And unfortunately, many of the toxins and molds we're exposed to, we have no immediate control over. And with that, we've got so many things on the rise. We have dementia on the rise, Parkinson's, autoimmunity. They say one in two people are going to be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. One in 36 children are diagnosed with autism. And the connecting underlying factor is chronic inflammation in the body, which is why this episode today is so awesome, because it's all about what is driving that inflammation in the body. And if you are new to our podcast, welcome. This topic may seem a little overwhelming, a bit daunting, but we truly believe that there's always a root cause, a deeper why, and sometimes you just got to go searching for it. And that is what we're going to be talking about today. So we're happy to have you listening with us. If you are listening from Apple or Spotify, make sure to click the subscribe button and you'll automatically be notified when new episodes launch, which is every Monday. And if you know somebody who needs to hear this episode, please share it out. You can easily share from Apple or Spotify to your social media and just make sure you tag us so we can see it as well. And if you found this episode helpful, if there was a message in this episode that you resonated with, please leave a review. Our goal with this podcast is to give you the power back, to give you the information you need 
and change the way healthcare is being done. And to do that, we have to get this message out. And one really great way to do that is to rank really high with iTunes and Spotify. So please leave a review. It truly does really help. And welcome to episode 46. We hope you enjoy. Hey, Recenters, as we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, my Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. So here's what you get in the academy, and I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. My academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. This is why I created the Reset Academy. So when you join, you gain access to all the exclusive calls where my team and I share the latest insights, we answer your burning questions, and we guide you towards your health goals. That's not it. We didn't stop there. By becoming a member, you're not just investing in a membership, but you're investing in yourself. I am such a fan of setting you up to win this year. And my academy is the best place I know to do that. I want to keep you focused. I want you to customize this for you. And I want you to succeed at your health goals this year. End of story. So if you're ready to unlock your fullest potential and embrace a fasting lifestyle, join me. If it feels good, join me. And let's make this year an incredible year for us all. So all you got to do is go visit drmindypels.com slash reset academy to become a member. I can't wait to welcome you. I can't wait to see you on the Zoom calls. I can't wait to be in community with you. And most importantly, let's get your health goals handled and let's do this together. It's so much better together. Together. So that's drmindypels.com slash reset academy. Excited to see you there. Okay, so let's start with this. And this is this always fascinates me about people who are in the functional health world is that many of us never intended to be in this functional health environment that we're in. And you are definitely one of those people. But when I went back and looked at your story, you you wanted to be a Navy SEAL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, 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 like you said, I mean, none of us really, you know, I think this profession chooses us, right? Like yes. we don't really choose, choose the profession. It, it finds us Yes, because that was the original plan. You know, when I was a teenager, you know, I was just trying to figure out life like any teenager, but I was always very motivated, always had the discipline, the work ethic. And I wanted to be kind of a real life superhero and do something impactful. And so Navy SEALs was literally... Yeah, I was going to say, that's pretty superhero-ish. Yeah. In my simple little teenage brain, you know, that was the the best thing. And so I did go for it. You know, I think the universe works in mysterious ways. And I don't think that was the right path for me. And so I was actually medically discharged while I was in training for the SEAL pipeline. They found an inguinal hernia. So they gave me a medical discharge. And I actually spent about a year trying to get back into the program. 
and honestly, I started struggling so much with depression and, and a lack of purpose and I needed to start moving on. And so that's when I became certified as personal trainer and nutritionist and jumped into that world. And I just I fell in love with the work. And that just evolved over time. And here we are like 11 years later. So it's been yeah. quite the ride. Yeah, we call it a, a pain to purpose story. It's like when you hit your own blocks with your health, that what I've noticed the commonality of a lot of people who ha- are out in the social media world educating is that you become obsessed with putting your own puzzle back together again. And there's no... One of the things I want to dive into, into with you is like, we, are, we have this huge gap between like somebody who's struggling and their solution. And it used to be in the olden days, if you struggled, you just went to the doctor, you got the solution and you were not struggling anymore. But that's not happening. Like people are struggling and they, they go to the doctor and the doctor gives them bad information and or wrong or ineffective information. And then what, what are they left to do? Mm-hmm. So how, do you, how did you go from a place of like, hey, I'm struggling, my health isn't great, now I need to find my own path. What did that journey look like? Yeah, you know, for for me, it was I, I was struggling with what what was at the time basically undiagnosed major depressive disorder and ADHD, which I was actually diagnosed with at, at the age of twenty one. And you know, I'd been thrown a few different prescriptions like Zoloft and Wellbutrin, Vyvanse, Adderall, all these all these cocktails and. And certainly to your point, it is a very incomplete healthcare model, right? And the more I learn about pharmaceutical science, the more it amazes me. But unfortunately, we have this kind of archaic, dogmatic, incomplete system of, well, you know, there's either nothing wrong with you or here's your drug. And I I don't know, we've, we've strayed so far from what I think medicine, the practice of the medicine was always supposed to be and what it always was. And I, I do. I think there's kind of this bastardization of, of big pharma. So honestly, helping myself wasn't as much what, what steered me into the functional medicine world because I was a uh, fitness trainer and, and nutrition coach. And I was pretty happy just guiding clients back to health. And the beginning of my career, I was introduced to lab testing and metabolic testing, VO2, you know, all the fancy data to guide that health building process. But it actually wasn't until my ex-fiance got really, really, really sick. That's really what inspired me to get Mm. more into the functional medicine space because she very acutely came down with this, you know, mysterious illness. Nobody could figure it out. Ice pick musculoskeletal pain, kind of fibromyalgia, Mm. chronic fatigue, debilitating cognitive dissonance. And we had no idea. I had no idea what was going on. We went straight to the doctor, chiropractor tried to do a naturopath, couldn't afford it. You know, the whole spiel that so many of us go through. And that got me introduced to MTHFR and then methylation and mold and all these things. That it was really trying to kind of save her. That that's what steered me into the this this industry. What just on that note, what was what was it a chemical overload for her or was there one specific thing that was taking her down? I am convinced to this day that it had to have been mold. I, I didn't. I wasn't exposed to the science of mold illness until probably three years after the relationship ended and we had been separated. 
And honestly, I'm, I'm, it's really tragic to report. I, I'll never get the opportunity because she just took her life actually two oh months ago. So oh my gosh. I, I, I never you know, got the opportunity to confirm. But that's what really sparked my interest in, in mold and methylation was... I was, I was convinced. The, the symptomology, the you know, musty environment, the water damage to the home... So I think it was a lot of compounding factors as it as it always is, but I am still convinced that must have been the main main thing. Wow. Mold, mold is so interesting. And this is, again, you, you and I talked before we started recording. I, this is one of the major reasons I wanted to bring you on. You posted something on Instagram that caught my attention literally at like 9 o'clock at night as I was like scrolling through Instagram. And what you said was, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along the lines of like, I, I didn't set out to, uh, to study mold toxicity. That was not your passion. But it, now I, I understand deeper that there was a, a motivation behind how when somebody is affected by mold, it just takes over their brain. And I cannot help but think when I'm so sorry to hear about her taking her life because I, I see with our patients who have mold, it's like they're thinking is so dark mm-hmm. and they just you can't they they can't get out of the negative spiral that they are in is that where she was at Absolutely I mean it, it's been several years since I've communicated at all with her but the last time I did she was still in horrible agony the the musculoskeletal pain the cognitive uh, debilitation and you know single mom of three kids like it was it was hard and especially when you have no answers and conventional medicine says it's all in your head. So mold has, uh, like my, my post kind of alluded to, I never would have thought mold would be such a big part of my professional life. And you know, I will preface by saying I, I think there's a lot of sensationalism in our industry. So I, I mm. don't want to sensationalize mold. But I will say like when it's there, when it's relevant, when it's on the radar, it's, it's crippling. And that's probably one of the most devastating and hardest things about working with mold or for somebody struggling with mold-related illness is it, it does. You look at the science, how the mycotoxins interrupt our nervous system and basically every facet of our physiology. And they do. They are kind of going crazy. It causes apoptosis in neurons. So it's very difficult to navigate because they don't know why they feel the way they yeah. feel. And it's that combination of all the psychology, physiology, but Mold can be a major culprit for any kind of neurological issue. Yeah, it's so interesting because what I see today, especially in our younger generation, is we've got this epidemic, or I should call it like a pandemic. It's like, how many pandemics do we have going on this year? There's more than just the one everybody's talking about. But we have a, we have a pandemic of brain dysfunction. And it's, and, you know, we look at these kids, like I have a 20 year old and an 18 year old. And the first time I heard that they were, they had friends that couldn't go to school anymore because their anxiety was so high. I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, you just buck up and go. But when you have toxicity to your brain, there's no bucking up and going there. Mm -hmm. It is totally enabling and mold is definitely in there. Do you feel like there are other toxins that are just totally swarming our brains right now? And I don't even, I don't even think it's just the youth. I think it's happening to all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's such a compilation of so many factors. And 
you know, so that's where it's interesting. You look at all the different mental health and, and neuroscience research where, you know, there's kind of the more classic monoamine theory of depression and, and that's where all the SSRIs and reuptake inhibitors, more looking at just the, the neurochemical signaling. But now what we really understand is, well, cognitive dissonance, whether it's depression, anxiety or anything in between, primarily inflammatory driven. So then we're, it kind of changes that equation where actually interleukin-6 antibody drugs are in phase two clinical trials as kind of a new uh, era of antidepressant drugs for treatment-resistant depression and, and mental illness. So then you start looking at all these different factors that are driving inflammation in, in the American population. So obviously our environment increasingly toxic and all the EMF and our poor lifestyle habits, but then you sprinkle in some of these major neurological disruptors, which I generally find to either be a bug or a toxin that's really driving that inflammation. So I think the heavy metals, I think the microbiome disturbances or any kind of mold or self-infection, I, I find those to be the biggest offenders when it comes to causing that cytokine storm that disrupts our nervous system. Yeah. And then once you're in it, you, you know, how do you get out of it? And you, I, you talk a lot about how labs today in the doctor's offices, your traditional doctor's office, are not helpful and that we need to be looking more at functional labs. Now, this could be, I could be paraphrasing you. This is what I saw in some of the things. And I think it's really true because I don't know if you see this and I know you teach doctors, that's sort of your past. But, uh, you know, I see this with patients a lot where they are experiencing brain fog, anxiety, depression. They go to the doctors. The doctor either doesn't run a test on them or runs a test that says they're good, they're normal, puts them on a medication and says, "You just take this and you'll be fine. And then they're left in this spiral of confusion. Is it, How do we help those people? How do we reach those people? Which is really what I'm trying to do with all my social media is like, let me get to that person that is struggling and let's give them other answers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, there's so much to be said for just providing answers to those that have lost their hope and, and lost their faith. I mean, even just the uh, emotion that hope can induce, like that's healing in, in itself. Yeah. But to your point, you know, certainly I, I do think good old-fashioned blood chemistry is the most reliable test we have. But obviously, the way conventional versus functional interprets that is, is very different. Mm -hmm. But even still, I literally just got done consulting with the practitioner. And it was a mold case. And she did have just the standard blood chemistry done through her doctor and then a, a urinary organic acid test. And you know, certainly, I, I think we have to always be questioning the efficacy of some of these functional tests so we don't waste money or oh, use the so technology. Many of them. Right, right. <laughs> There's like yeah. so many you could do. Absolutely. And they're popping up overnight, you know, new yep. technology every day. And, you know, so I, I think we have to be responsible consumers of functional lab testing. But, you know, the point where this, this blood chemistry I was just looking at. Even through the functional lens, like it looked pretty squeaky clean overall, but then the organic acid just lit up with fungal metabolites and toxicity and all these things that directly correlated with the symptoms and the health history. So yeah, sometimes those functional tests are going to be really what provide that aha and provide a spark of hope that then we can mm -hmm. act upon. Mm -hmm. Are there things, just so again, so we can give people some really good solid resources like... 
Could somebody, if they thought they had brain inflammation and it was because of an infection or it was because of a toxin, could they literally leave this podcast and go and pick up their their last blood test from their traditional doctor and look for different categories that would give them an indication that they have an infection that or a, a toxicity that their medical doctor might not be trained to see? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. You know, I think I like that phrase that we've come up with in our industry of stealth infection, because I do think, you know, with our our newer understanding of the microbiome, or really our infants, but evolving understanding of the microbiome, you know, we can really see it's like, well, any kind of microbiome disturbance can cause a lot of, you know, chronic underlying inflammation, even if like, it's not that acute infection where white blood cells are at 15 or 20 and so on and so forth. So even just on that standard blood chemistry, things like homocysteine or uric acid or those liver enzymes, it can be subtle with the different patterns. And that's where some of these additional biomarkers like the TGF beta 1 or MMP9 or some of these other biomarkers, uh, neoterin is a great one as well that we can be requesting from our doctors or looking into. Because sometimes that standard comprehensive metabolic panel or CBC looks pretty flawless. But when you start looking at the breakdown of the white blood cells in conjunction with different inflammatory patterns, you know, C-reactive protein is the most popular famous. But even that, I mean, acute, it only has a half-life of like 50 hours, something like that, pretty short. So I think we have to use some of these other markers to really form a solid pattern that that indicates something else is going on. Yeah, yeah. And I and educate people that just cuz your doctor said you're good and you're feeling bad, you may not be good. Like right. that's that's a really like that shift, that paradigm shift, I think just that alone needs to happen for people. So oh, Absolutely. When you look at like co-infections, toxins, EMFs, and they're all like mixed together. How do we start to unravel? Like, so some of the people that we see in our clinic are people who literally have, you know, Lyme, mold, candida, parasites, heavy metals, and Wi-Fi intolerance. Like these people are just reacting to everything. When you look at all the toxins affecting the brain right now, what do you think is the most impactful? Like, is there one that we, if we remove this one, the body can take care of the rest? Or is it more of like a stepped approach that people should have? That's a really good question. And I think there's kind of two sides of it. I do think at times we have to really try to identify what seems to be the, the main culprit. Because I think that's the beauty of kind of the the more functional holistic approach is we're kind of working on everything at the same time, right? It's it's very different than, you know, well, this particular drug, which is very specific in its mechanism of action, whereas obviously, you know, if we're working through our full intervention spectrum and using our environmental intervention, the lifestyle, psychological, supplemental, you know, we don't have to be as kind of sniper and this is the one thing that we're targeting. Because I do think, I always like to think kind of the big kahuna versus the low-hanging fruit. Mm. You know, I, I think the more we can kind of pick that low-hanging fruit, you know, we teach them how to swap out their toxic cleaning chemicals and whatnot or turn off their Wi-Fi router at night. There's just those little things that we can do to lessen the, the burden of all those harmful input signals. But at the same time, I have also had cases or consulted on cases where 
sometimes we're almost getting too distracted by all the many, many things that we could be doing. When in reality, maybe like if, you know, they do have a mold infection or something, that antifungal drug could make more progress in two weeks than all that holistic stuff Mm -hmm. could for months and months. So I think it's kind of a, a balancing act of not creating a problem where there isn't one, but not overlooking a healing opportunity where there is one. And so using an assortment of labs, but also that's why I'm so big on blood work and organic acids and whatnot of, you know, a lot of these different infections or toxins, they will sort of self-resolve if we're working holistically, supporting the immune system, the detox pathways and using the full intervention spectrum with our, our modality. Mm-hmm. I I agree. And I feel like my training has always been around the body's intelligent, it can heal itself. And then you start to, you know, meet these people who are like eating right, they're exercising, they're, they're trying to sleep, and they're technically doing all the right things, and they're not healing. Do you feel like the, the innate intelligence of the body is under attack right now, all of us, for all of us? Yeah, I, I I very much agree with you. I think we're kind of de-evolving. Honestly, we're we're finding the techno- technological means to kind of perpetuate our own toxic behaviors and toxic lifestyle behaviors. And that's you know, like I was just attending an awesome conference all about mold this past weekend, and that was kind of a big theme of uh, the drug resistance of like, well, if somebody has a mold infection or whatever, you can clear that out with these drugs, but what about when it comes back or the the microbes are becoming increasingly resistant and we're increasing the toxicity of our environment, increasing the the EMF and radiation. So I think our, our physiology as a collective is just really under attack from all angles, which is why I hope, it's early to say, I hope that the events of this year wake us up. I hope so too. Uh, I guess yeah. we'll see. You know? Yeah. You know, I've been since since the beginning of March, and I've had a lot of people on my podcast, really intelligent people chatting about this. The one question I keep asking over and over and over again, and it doesn't seem that our politicians are talking about it, that the general community is talking about it. And the question is, why is everybody so immune compromised? Mm-hmm. And that we have to look at that. Like, so early on, I interviewed, you know, Dr. Zach Bush? I do. I'm a big fan. Amazing human, right? And he's so, so smart. Like when you hear him talk, you're just like, wow. So we caught him early in the pandemic. He was in Fiji and I asked him to come on and let's have a chat for my community about like, where did this virus come from? And he, of course... You know, an hour later, had it all mapped out exactly where the virus came from. But what I what I took from it is, it's a new virus, mm-hmm. and our immune systems haven't recognized it. And so, our best bet is to keep the immune system strong, so that we can be able to create an immune res- a proper immune response to this virus. Makes perfect sense to me. But yet nobody's, we're just in viral avoidance. We're just all about viral avoidance for the last six months. There's no hardcore, how do we start to support our immune system? So when you look at things like, let's just start off with mold. And then I want to talk about Wi-Fi and EMFs as well. Mm-hmm. How, what do you think mold is doing to the average person? And one of the questions I've had about mold all the time is like, how come you can take a family 
and they can have mold in a house and two of the people in the house are sick and two don't notice anything at all. Yeah, this will be fun to unpack. I love Dr. Zach Bush's work and, and what he mapped out with the, the virus coming out of the highly toxic Wuhan province and you know his theory, I, I suppose, which I think is pretty strong theory. Yeah, it's pretty you know, strong, is that yeah. Basically, um, an extinction crisis causing Mother Nature to create this de novo virus where yeah. the planet is, is being stressed the most and how New York City is kind of the closest environment we have in the States compared to China and whatnot. So yeah, I think he's really on to something there. And I, and I love the, the glyphosate impact that he talks about as well, because, you know, uh, I think in between the metabolic syndrome, that's just you know, 88% prevalent right. in right. our country. percent of the people in our country are metabolically fit. fit. I'm right. like, why aren't we talking yeah. about this? Yeah, exactly. So if half the population diabetic, 70% overweight or obese, 88% metabolically ill, that enough, that, that right there is enough to be, you know, immune compromised. But then you throw the glyphosate and then the EMF, and so with mold, you know, again, I, I don't think mold is affecting everyone, but I do think it's more common than, than people realize. And what really breaks my heart is mold is becoming trendy and popular in our world. But think about how many, you know, thousands or millions of people are living around the world in these, you know, old inner city, broken down apartments that are just water damaged horribly yeah. or office buildings, government buildings with their flat top roof and all these things, I do think mold is kind of this silent brewing disaster. And it's so detrimental. I mean, we all know about mold, but I don't think we realize how common it is, how prevalent, or more so just how detrimental it is. You know, as soon as it's remediated or people just wipe it away, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. But as far as, you know, because that was me, that, that was me with my ex-fiance and her children, five of us living in, in one house. Whereas, you know, my ex-fiance was kind of the canary that just got yeah. crippled. Whereas, you know, her son, it presented as this more kind of allergic sinusitis. And for me, it was chronic fatigue and a, a flare-up of my depression and kind of ADHD. So assuming that it was mold, which I technically don't know, but it can affect everybody in the family differently. And primarily, that's going to be the, the genetic polymorphisms and you know, the, the unique genetics of each individual and how robust is their you know, metabolic resilience. But those canaries, the ones that get really sick, which from an evolutionary perspective is an advantage. You know, if, if you have your hunter-gatherer tribe living in a moldy, toxic environment, and only one of them gets sick, hey, that's the canary that then tells the rest of the tribe, like, this is not a safe environment. We better get out of that's here. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. So there is that evolutionary uh, benefit, but it sucks to be the canary. And yeah. so those are the ones with like the HLA phenotypes that they don't have that MHC1 complex to you know signal to the lymphocytes like, hey, we got to do something about this this pathogen here. So they're the ones that generally get very, very sick. What what are the classic symptoms of mold? Again, just so if people, as people are listening, because like to your point, I don't think people, it's not their go-to toxin. You know, mm -hmm. they're like, and I don't, I'm sure you hear this all the time. I hear people say, when I say, oh, do you have any water damage in their house? And they're like, 
well, there's this like black stuff in my shower and I just wipe it down, it goes away and then it comes back. So how would somebody, what would be like classic symptoms somebody has mold? Absolutely. So I think it, it kind of depends on, there's a lot of factors to mold, but I think kind of the two main categories we can simplify are, do they actually have a, a mold infection, like a, a mold colonization, the mold has actually overgrown within their body. You know, we we talk so much about candida and candidiasis of like, well, candida is just a commensal yeast. And you know, if you have an unhealthy microbiome, you're stressed out or immunocompromised, it might flare up. It might opportunistically overgrow. I don't think mold and aspergillus or any of the other species are really that much different than if we are being exposed in the environment and breathing in spores and breathing in the gases and the mycotoxins. It can really just compound that effect. But then there's the, the toxins themselves. As far as symptoms, these toxins can affect virtually any tissue. I mean, it causes a lot of liver damage, kidney damage, it kills neurons, it kills basically every every cell. And they're ionospheric, so they can move in and out of cells very easily. So, you know, I think some of the most pronounced symptoms, brain fog is a big one, like really pronounced brain fog, that could definitely be like a fungal overgrowth or, or the subsequent toxicity. But some of the more unique characteristics of like the mycotoxicosis or the SIRS or the mold toxicity, shall we say, I think like the ice pick stabbing pain, the neurological symptoms, mm. the, the depression, severe musculoskeletal pain, a lot of like severe inflammation symptoms because that's really what's going on. So if they do have more of a colonization which generally is in their gut, but it could be the sinuses or elsewhere, but the gut is kind of the main hub. They might have, you know, SIBO type symptoms and despite, you know, just abdominal bloating and uh, distension and, and, you know, more GI related symptoms, but the toxins can cause crazy systemic symptoms as well, whereas others might have more of an allergy. So I think that's part of what makes mold so tricky is yeah. there's so it's such a broad way that it can present. But I would say fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, and brain fog would kind of be like my top three that I'm immediately thinking about at least digging into the possibility of if it's on the table. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think the mold that we get like... So we, we do run mycotoxin tests on people. We do a vibrant wellness mycotoxin. When we suspect mold, we don't, it's not our big thing. We do a lot of heavy metal detoxing. And we actually find when you remove the heavy metals that a lot of this stuff clears up, but except mold. We find mold is like that stubborn thing you got to go after. And when I get our mycotoxins report back... What I find is that there's sort of two categories. There's the mold you get inside a, a, a building, like a black mold, and then there's the mold on your food. Do you think that that those two molds will act? Are the, do they have the same intensity in the body? My my hunch is the 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 home mold is a lot more detrimental than the stuff on the food. But I may be wrong on that. I'm curious your thoughts. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I I definitely find that the the water damage building or something like an aspergillus colonization in the body is tends to be more severe and and a little bit more problematic. I don't find dietary to be as big of a concern, 
but it, it, it depends too. Like Fusarium is the species of mold that is more commonly contaminated in like our corn products and our grains and all of that. And so some of those mycotoxins might be contaminating some of our food or... But, you know, you think about like you buy organic blueberries, you know, at the store and then maybe the next morning they're like covered in mold. And it's like, well you know, especially organic produce that's in the natural environment, doesn't have all the fungicides, herbicides, it might have mold spores or some mold cells on it. And it's the perfect food source of sugar. So, Mm. you know, we're going to consume mold and mold spores and mycotoxins just as part of being human. You know, we've evolved that way. So I I do think the dietary side is, is relevant. For example, what is it, number nine on the vibrant or great plains organic acid test, which is tricarbolic acid. That's kind of the fusarium indicator. And there's some mm-hmm. of those toxins on the mycotox panels. But I think the the water damage buildings and more the the molds that tend to grow in water damage situations, primarily aspergillus, penicillium, stachybotrys, I think those tend to be more heavy culprits than the than the dietary sources. Yeah. I mean, that's my hunch just in watching people react to different toxic loads. What do you think the impact of EMFs, Wi-Fi is on these co-infections and on mold? I've heard um, some some of Klinghart's work where he really talks about the frequency of Wi-Fi agitates these co-infections and makes them worse. But tell us what your I'm curious your thoughts on that. Wi-Fi personally is one of those things that I'm like, oh God, it's like mold. It's like, okay, I got it. I mean, it's damaging us and there's no easy answer, but people have to know about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the the EMF thing is is really interesting to me because it is one of those things. I think like the the EMF with all of the environmental toxicants that are just piling up day by day. Like that freaks me out the most, right? Because, you know, microbes and, and some of these, you know, toxins and tox- natural biological toxins that we've evolved with, like I trust that my body can handle a mm. microbe here and there. What I don't trust is can my body really handle that stuff with all of our more modern day radiation mm. and toxins. So the toxins and EMF is what kind of freaks me out the most. And we don't really have great data yet on any of that. Like we see some evidence of, ooh, you know, non-ionizing radiation might stimulate proxynitrite and then that's causing oxidative stress and inflammation. I have also heard about Klinghart's theory about, you know, does the EMF, you know, basically agitate the mold and cause it to produce more mycotoxins, which, you know, then you think about it. And I I will say working with a lot of clients, I've observed that some of them do seem to be a little bit more EMF sensitive. I have no idea if the EMF actually irritates the microbe, but I think it's a good theory and it makes sense. I mean, uh, I'm sure that radiation is doing something both to our cells and the microbes. Yeah. So if you have an, an infection like Lyme or mold, would you tell that person like, don't be carrying your phone next to you or put it on airplane mode or turn off the router at night. Like these are all things, these are like rabbit holes we could go down. And I, I, we have an 18 year old son at home and I'm waiting for him to get out of the house so that I can start turning the router off at night right now. That wouldn't go over very well. And then your brain kind of goes to this place of like, do I really need to do that? You know, what do I, am I, is this just a hype? 
you know, what are your thoughts on some of those habits that people are doing and especially for people yeah. who are dealing with co-infections? Yeah, it's a really good question. And, you know, from personal experience, I I definitely am concerned about the the EMF and Wi-Fi. I myself, you know, I turn off my Wi-Fi router every night. I turn my phone on airplane mode. But especially with like we we all just started getting saturated in this new 5G. So yeah. I, I think then I, I think it's relevant and I think assuming that the client or patient is ready, willing, and able to kind of take on more information and make more behavior modifications. You know, it's kind of that low-hanging fruit that that we could try picking to help. But as you know, you know, working with individuals, it's kind of all about priorities, compliance, attention span, accountability. So when it comes to priorities, you know, them turning off their Wi-Fi router. I think it could help, but it's like it, it's it's a drop of water in the ocean. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. There's so much bigger things that they should probably be doing. So I generally don't find myself consulting a lot on that. It's more I'll provide that education and it's more something that hopefully they just become more mindful of over mm-hmm. time. But when they're actually really ill and we're trying to move the needle, it's not really a high enough priority for me. So I've teamed up with Tony Horton. Do you know Tony Horton? He was the creator of P90X, one of the most revolutionary at-home fitness programs. And we created together a new fitness program called PowerSync 60. And it is literally, this program's never been done. It is a revolutionary 60-day program for both men and women. So here's why I want you to join us is that we literally created PowerSync 60 with you in mind. So it doesn't matter if you're a cycling woman, a postmenopausal woman, or a man. One of the things I brought to Tony was that when we work out, we have to think about our hormones. And he had never done that in the millions of workouts that he's created in his lifetime. We also included a free bonus meal plan and a customized tailor way you can eat right for yourself. Also, of course, we put some fasting in there and it was a beautiful meeting of the minds. So I, it, this is like a passion project that I'm so excited to share with you. And in order to get it, all you got to do is visit drmindy.org and use the code PS60PELS. So PS60 and then my last name, PELS, P-E-L-Z, to get 20% off. And you get lifetime access to the program. So that's drmindy.org. And you use the code PS60PELS to join all of us. I'm actually doing this myself right now. So come join me, my community on this incredible journey. I am so proud to bring this to you. Yeah, and it's, a, it's really hard to do. Yeah, like it, it's. Yeah. I ha- I brought on an expert, and he was talking about drapes you put in your bedroom if you're near like a power line. I'm like, oh my gosh, this would be amazing if you were super sick. And yet, I can't picture the average person going after this and uh, and doing this. Yeah. What, what do you think? You've brought up some gene stuff before, and I want to talk a little bit about MTHFR and methylation because. Again, we work with so many toxic people that you see some people who just have these huge toxic loads and they seem like they've been doing okay managing it and then like something tips their bucket. And then you see people with just a little bit of a toxic load and they're just struggling. 
Is that because of poor methylation? Is that a MTHFR situation or genes at play in that scenario? I think it definitely can be a contributor. You know, I I saw you had Ben Lynch on your show and I'm a big fan of him also. That's how I got into all the methylation stuff. And so I do think it's very relevant. I think with the gene stuff, I mean, really, you start digging into it, and it's like, well, there, there's a SNP for everything, right? You know, there's exactly, you know, SNPs are what make us unique, right? Yep. So, I, I think genetics and genetic testing and like SNP hunting can be just a, a distracting rabbit hole that takes away from maybe the more kind of pressing behavior priorities. But still, it is very relevant, and so like with MTHFR as kind of the most popular SNP, largely thanks to Ben, you know, even conventional medicine is starting to test MTHFR mm, routinely. Really? Ah, cool. that's that. So actually, that that's how I got introduced to MTHFR was when my ex-fiance and I were trying to figure out what was wrong with her. First thing we did was go to our conventional healthcare provider and they did some routine blood work, but they included the MTHFR wow. gene which I had never heard of. And all they said was, hey, this is a gene. It's related to neurochemistry. So we're going to compound this, this special nutraceutical that might help with your mental health. And that was it. You know, I didn't know that there was so much more than that. But what they're doing through conventional healthcare is they test the gene. And if you are positive for like 1298 or 677, you know, homozygous, whatever, if you test positive for the gene, they immediately will prescribe a megadose nutraceutical of like 15 wow. milligrams of methylfolate, 15 milligrams of methylfolamin, which is like 15 times higher than what you would get in like a multivitamin. So it's kind of that classic, like if some is good, more must be better. And of course, as we know, you know, genes are the blueprint, not the destiny. So I think it's kind of fallacious reasoning to you're looking at the blueprint without looking at biomarkers that are reflective of methylation status and then just doing this mega dose. But my point being, you know, conventional medicine doesn't bother looking at anything unless it's very relevant, very scientifically validated. So I definitely think, you know, if conventional healthcare is starting to look at MTHFR routinely, I absolutely think like, yes, we all need to be in tune with this. But Again, there's so many snips for anything, so it gets pretty rabbit hole. My thought on that is that if we look at the microbiome, you know, I know there's a lot of debates on this, and the study of the microbiome is so young and brand new, but we they're saying we have like a hundred bacterial cells to human cells, and that they influence the human cells. So there's a part of me, and again, I'm curious your thoughts on this. That's like. Well, why even bother with the human cells if they if there's more bacterial cells and they control the human cells? Why are we obsessed with this genetic testing? Yes, it's cool and it can give us some insight, but wouldn't let's just go to the source and start to work on the microbiome and see what we can do to bring that back into balance and then come back to the genes. Mm-hmm. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree more so with that logic. You know, I think the microbiome has kind of changed and disrupted everything we think we know about yep. about human health and medicine and, and even nature. And that's why I, I love listening to Zach Bush talk because he's you know kind of going even further upstream with it. Of like, okay, well, rather than just being obsessed of the human microbiome, let's be thinking about the environmental microbiome. And you know, yep. ultimately. 
you know, microbes are the building blocks uh, of all life, you know, the archaea and viruses and bacteria and fungi. So I like that he's more trying to zoom out and look at systems biology and looking at microbiome of the planet because then we Mm. will be, you know, our microbiome will be influenced by that microbiome. But as far as more from a kind of individual sort of medicine standpoint, I do. I think we have a lot to learn, but there's a lot of fundamental things that we do know. Like my friend Kiran Krishnan from Microbiome Labs is doing amazing work with really validating the science of you know, how the microbiome is impacting every facet of our, our human biologies. So that get, kind of gets into the whole germ theory. And although there's absolutely a time for antifungal or antibiotic drugs, you know, we are kind of just digging ourselves deeper and deeper into this yeah. hole that's already full of glyphosate. So I think we have to learn how to, you know, care for the garden of life that lives yeah. within us and subsequently care for the garden of life that is this beautiful planet. Yeah. Have you seen Kiss the Ground? I haven't, but I, I need to watch oh, that. Oh, you got to well, see it because... Yeah. So I started off my journey in nutrition trying to understand the gut and specifically candida because I too had chronic fatigue syndrome and it was candida related. And actually listening to you today, I'm like, I bet there was mold and I, was, I got it when I was in college. I lived in some old funky homes and I'm mm-hmm. like, I bet there was mold there. But for years in my practice, we focused on killing candida, killing candida. And then what would happen is it would go away and then it would come back and it would go away and it would come back. And so we started to look at things like heavy metals and trying to remove the other sources so that the body could take care of the candida on itself, on its own. So that's where my brain has been for the last like 20 years. And then I've been through just so many conversations with Zach and Kiss the Ground. I've started morphing into this feeling like, oh my God, like if we want to get the human body healthy, we're going to need to get our planet healthy. Mm -hmm. And we can all argue about climate change or no climate change. But what I love about what Zach and Kiss the Ground is saying is like, let's just go back to soil. Like what is in our soil? Do we have nutrients in our soil? Do we have microbes in our soil that are helpful? And how do we bring back the health of our soil? Mm-hmm. But what are your thoughts on that? Like this interconnectedness of the human body and the planet's health. Do you feel like we're coming to an understanding that we are really inter- intimately intertwined? Absolutely. I mean, the fact of the matter is we are the only living species on this planet that's living dysbiotically with the natural world. So, Mm. you know, I I don't think it's any great mystery of why we're walking closer and closer to extinction as a species. And and that's, you know, as much as I love science, I think science is is so myopic and and dogmatic at, at times. And I think we can't really afford any longer. I like to think we should lead the science with intuition and, and let the science validate our intuition. And I feel like we as a as the collective have just totally lost touch with our divine intuition, our our interconnectedness with the planet. So we do. I, I you know, very much inspired by Zach, but I, I keep saying, you know, we have to return to symbiosis. Like that is the only way forward. And all we're doing is harvesting the goods of the planet for our own kind of egocentric desires. So yeah. we do, we need to figure out how to, as Zach says, you know, be co-creators with mother nature. And yeah. we have a long ways to go with that. So 
Yeah. Go watch Kiss the Ground because it gives you some hope. It, yeah, it, it yeah. like walks you through it and then it gives you something to do, which is amazing. You talk about the leaky gut and like how leaky gut like affects the leaky brain or affects the brain health. This is another topic that has fascinated me because when I look at leaky gut, the first thought I have is glyphosate. It's the number one cause of a leaky gut in my book. And please let me know if you think beyond that. I'd love to hear what you have to say on that. And then I I really think we've understood that the gut controls the brain, but there it's a but the brain also controls the gut. So can a toxic brain create a leaky gut, or does the leaky gut create the toxic brain? I think like any axis, you know, it's kind of that chicken or the egg of I, I think it's both. I think they feed into one another quite a bit. As far as like the, the mechanisms, I, I do think. I think it's more about, you know, the the gut becomes leaky and then the brain becomes leaky. I have a harder time seeing mechanistically how, you know, sort of a a toxic brain would work the other way so much. But the mechanisms of that GI barrier and the blood-brain barrier are are really pretty similar. The, The glyphosate or the LPS or mycotoxins or all these things. So, for example, the... uh kinuronic pathway. And so two markers that I really like to look at for you know trying to get some pulse check on on the blood-brain barrier and all of that would be like quinolinic acid on an organic acid test or then the MMP9 marker I mentioned on blood chemistry because both are associated with the degradation of the blood-brain barrier. But I think really, I mean, glyphosate, mold, LPS, any kind of bacterial, fungal, I think there's a lot of things that probably perpetuate that but I am inclined, inclined to believe it more starts as a leaky gut than into a leaky brain primarily. Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of the school I've come from and t- and for like 90% of the cases. And then I'll get like somebody who's really constipated or has like SIBO and we're throwing everything at the gut. And then we go up to the brain and we start pulling toxins out of the brain and the gut heals. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. They're a pair of organs like the heart and lungs. Like we've got to look at them together. So it's really, it's fascinating. I mean, this is what's fun about what we do. Absolutely. Uh, Do you you think glyphosate's the the number one thing causing leaky gut? Or do you think all those other things you mentioned have equal relevance? I mean, I think that, you know, we we see that glyphosate and then, you know, even there's some pretty strong evidence of gliadin stimulating the, the zonulin protein and all of that. And I think we have a lot to learn about zonulin in particular, so some of those mechanisms. And I am inclined to believe that there must be some reason why the body, you know, activates and inducts zonulin and kind of open. I, I think there's something to that. Maybe it's trying to present the immune system with an antigen to create an immune response. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. But yeah, I think like glyphosate is a major one, but mycotoxins can, LPS and I mean, basically everything about the standard American lifestyle creates this standard American metabolism, standard American gut. But I do think like the glyphosate, the mycotoxins, the LPS, maybe gluten. I think gluten's a a culprit are kind of the biggest inducers of leaky gut. 
Yeah. The modern world. Like, like I keep, again, I go back to like the modern world that we walk into a grocery store and we just assume that everything that's in there has been vetted and researched and is okay for us. And it's not. This is like the biggest myth that I think we have right now is that all food is created equal and it's, and it's not, it's, Mm -hmm. this wakes me up at night. I hate it. So what, uh, what are your thoughts on autoimmunity? Because I know you also talk about that. Do you feel like on some level, everybody's got an autoimmune condition going on right now? Yeah, I, I'm inclined to, to think that there's a lot that we don't know about autoimmunity. And the more that we dig into, it kind of seems like just about all conditions have some sort of autoimmune component to that. And, you know, we love to dig into the the balance of, you know, TH1 and TH2, TH17 and trying to, how do we balance that so we don't get too autoimmune or whatever. But ultimately, I, I do. I think if we can return symbiosis and remove all these triggers that do cause. So, you know, the, the bystander effect and molecular mimicry and some of these theories of autoimmunity, I, I think are great. And I think we're on to something with that. I do think I think we kind of oversimplify autoimmunity in the functional world of sort of, well, it's as simple as you have leaky gut, bad things are getting through, your immune system gets confused, you know, your own tissues kind of get caught in the crossfire. That's sort of like the narrative that we're saying. But I think, I think we just don't fully understand because that's even where, like, you know, we, we love talking about parasites, but then there's research to show that parasites might actually have a positive immunostimulatory effect or, you know, there, there were studies where, well, when they treated this population with whatever drug and eradicated, you know, this bug, well, then their immune systems became overactive and started attacking their own tissues and autoimmunity went on the rise. So I think if we can uh, kind of dismantle some of our modern toxic behaviors that are just causing this, you know, chaos of, of physiology then we might have a more clean slate to actually be able to start mm. studying autoimmune mechanisms to get a grasp on this. So yeah, I, I, I think autoimmunity is a, kind of its own pandemic and epidemic and it's yeah. so common. Yep. I think it would be like second to cancer if we added yep. up all the autoimmune conditions. So yeah, it's, it's a huge one for sure. Yeah. And, and again, I'm going to go back to modern living. There's something in our modern environment that is causing everybody's immune system to be so mixed up. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think the gut is, is like such an important place to, to come to. Well, some of the most popular podcasts, two of our most popular podcasts, I'll say, of all time have been around the carnivore diet. Have you followed any of the carnivore diet stuff? Yeah, you know, I I, I, I kind of keep tabs on everything that's going on, and you know, carnivore has popped up, fasting huge right now. So there's there's a lot of kind of these specialty dietary strategies that are being played around with out there. Yeah, so uh, I'm curious because we one of the cool things that we've done is we've got hundreds of thousands of people on across our communities where we do these fast fasting experiences once a month. And so in Jan- in July, several of my friends in the health influencing world have been talking about the carnivore diet and how it really is great for autoimmune conditions. And for me, studying the microbiome and, a, and it's a huge fan of Zach Bush for so many years, I was like, there is no way eating meat all day is going to help an autoimmune condition. 
But I got to tell you, we rolled out what I call carnivore fasting, where people fast for 17 hours and then all they do is eat meat. And it was insane. People with autoimmune conditions, especially the joint pain, the, the aches and pains, that went completely away. And like quickly, like the, it didn't take like somebody with RA or lupus, like just gone in the matter of days. Do you have any explanation? I've talked to Dr. Paul Saladino. I've talked to people about it. But from a leaky gut perspective, do you think it's because meat isn't sprayed with glyphosate? I don't know if that's proper logic, but why do you think that could even work? I think, yeah, I think it's a really interesting discussion. I think, I think fasting by itself is just huge. And it's, I don't know, I, I think humans are very disconnected from, again, our, our kind of primordial intuition. So, you know, it's like we need studies to validate what right, right. Maybe, maybe should be good common sense. Like, have you heard of that new diet where you just sometimes don't eat? Like, what a novel concept, right? right. <laughs> but, but with that facetiousness aside, I, I do. I think fasting has uh, amazing science coming out about it, whether it's upregulating autophagy, which I, I think, to your point, might be kind of one of the main mechanisms there that, that's helping with the autoimmunity is, you know, we give our body a break so it can actually heal the... the yeah. You know, you can't... It, it's kind of like when you're driving a car, you can't really fix the car while you're driving it. So oh, it's such like... a good analogy. That's <laughs> right. really like, good. Yep. Let's maybe uh, take it into the shop so we can get yeah. a break and work on it. So I think when we fast, we do give our digestive tract and mucosal membranes and enterocytes a chance to actually recover. And we're, you know, inducing autophagy so we can clear out some of those old damaged cells that maybe those are, are eliciting sort of an autoimmune response. Body might be trying mm. to clear some of those out. So I think fasting by itself is one of the major things as far as carnivore. You know, I think mix. I, I could see how like carnivore or keto, whatever, you know, a little difference there could potentially have some favorable effects on the microbiome and the, the intestinal lining. I don't know about long term because uh, I think, you know, it is our plant foods that give us a lot of the polyphenols to feed the diversity of our microbiome. So I don't know if it's like a long term, but. I think especially with the standard American gut or kind of modernized gut that's so damaged and dysbiotic and highly fermentable and whatnot, I do think maybe if we gave it a break, we stopped feeding those you know, opportunistic pathogens, maybe it's giving our body a chance to kind of clear that out. And then we could kind of reintroduce our, our fibers and polyphenols to you know, feed diversity. So I think keto and, and carnivore can, and fasting can be a, a very effective break to clear out toxins, clear out unconstructed microbes, so on and so forth. Yeah, it's like uh, my theory is like when in doubt, fast. Like there's, yeah. a, there's an intelligence inside of you. And when you don't know and the doctors don't know, start fasting because mm -hmm. the intelligence knows. And I, I do you think that we as humans have are completely disconnected from this intelligence, this inner healing. We have such a fascination with medication and all the cool and surgeries. Do you think that is causing us to be more disconnected from our own internal healing power? Oh, absolutely. You know, the the psyche conversation is kind of a whole whole other conversation, but I, I do feel like our collective psychology is getting increasingly toxic, which just causes that 
negative downstream effect in, in signaling. So I think we have to relearn how to trust ourselves. And I, I don't think especially the events of this year has you know increased our, our trust in ourselves or one another or governing bodies. So we do. We have to realize like our, our body has our back if we take care of it. You know, we have to give it what it needs and it will take care of us. So we have to have a little more faith in this amazing meat right? suit that we were born into, you know? Yeah. I always tell people like if I drove a Lamborghini into your driveway and I parked it there and I said, Hey, this is yours, would you you would probably be in such awe and take amazing care of it. Well, that's what you were given in your body. You were given the greatest sports car, the incredible machinery. It's just that nobody left you the manual and everybody in your life has told you that health is from the outside, has to come from the outside in. And this is what I love about fasting is I can take the the most dubious person and I can take food away from them and they get this like mirror of like, oh my God, my body can do this. And I feel like we're just so disconnected from this internal healing because we we feel the hero of the day is the doctor or the Mm -hmm. medication or the surgery. We forgot that we're actually the hero of the Mm day. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And literally just today, I posted to social media kind of posing this rhetorically of, you know, are you chasing your root cause or are you running from your unresolved trauma? Mm-hmm. And and I think the, the root cause paradigm is very seductive. I think it's better in, in theory than application. I, I think a lot of people are, you know, really kind of chasing like, oh, well, this is my root cause and that and this and that. And they're avoid facing themselves. You know, they're they're really avoiding facing those more challenging kind of existential crisis type questions. So I, I always do think you know healing starts as a choice of the self, and we have to look within before we you know look outwards. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Now, what I find interesting about your path is so as we evolve as practitioners in in the health world. Each of us sort of have our own mission and and desire. Mine for me is like I just want to reach the layperson and like get that person to believe in themselves again and like give them the tools. You're you're on a mission to train doctors. Is that right? Yeah, so my you know my business really focuses on training professionals because I, I love this industry. I really do. And with that, I, I believe we can do better. I, I think we can improve the efficacy of, of what we're doing in, in all aspects. I think a big thing I, I want to try to do is really bridge that gap between like the health coaches and the clinicians. I think we all need to work together. You know, I, I don't see as many doctors that know how to be an effective coach and help implement actual behavior modification. But obviously, coaches can't diagnose, prescribe, treat. So there's a huge gap there. And I, I really hope to close that gap a little bit. Awesome. And so that's kind of like my day job. And then sort of my, you know, bigger passion is trying to help the world with their mental and metabolic health and just pouring, you know, free content out there. So mental health is kind of a particular area of passion as well. Yeah. That, do you know uh, Dr. Kate Shanahan? Uh, I don't know that I do. No. Oh, you got she wrote a book called uh, The Fat Burn Fix and okay. she's a family physician 
And one of my passions with my YouTube channel, I put out all the science on fasting out there and, and educate people. And what we're seeing are more and more medical doctors are coming to the channel and they are like looking at the science. I link all the science in the notes so that they can, we can speak each other's language or speak their language because they have that on such a pedestal. And so I asked her, I'm like, give me some insight you know, like do, what did you learn about nutrition in medical school? And she was like, nothing, mm-hmm. like nothing. She goes, they're still teaching that saturated fat and sodium is the root cause of heart disease. And one of my missions has been like, I see a world where we just all come together and, mm-hmm. and bring all of our collective information and our willingness to help people and try to figure out what's making the human body sick right now and that we can collaborate. Do you think that could ever happen? Like, I love like, you're like, I want to bring the doctors and the health coaches together. It's like, I want to bring the AMA and all the rest of us together so that we can show up in this way that will support humanity. Do you think mm-hmm. we could ever do that? I, I do. I, I, I genuinely believe we can. I, I think we're in the midst of a big awakening. And, you know, we are, uh, you know, it's like Zach Bush talks about that a lot. Like we are kind of running out of time. We, we, we need to get our stuff together. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think there's, there's no room for ego or scarcity mindset or any of these toxic yep. behaviors. Like we need to check all that at the door and start working together. The thing I love most about our industry is the diversity. Mm-hmm. It's it's professionals of all backgrounds putting their heads together of how can we more effectively participate in the collective healing of humanity. And every every professional has a place, whether they are a medical doctor, uh, chiropractor, dietitian, personal trainer, health coach. Doesn't matter. Everybody brings something unique, powerful, and different to the table. And I do. I think we can all work together to really evoke something beautiful. Yeah, yeah. No, I I absolutely agree. And I, I like I do a meditation in the morning, and I, that's like one of the things I visualize is like. And this year, you're right, has been the the year that has really reflected back to us mm-hmm. that we're trying to outrun this virus in a very broken healthcare system, yeah. and just like all these other systems that we're seeing bubble to the top, we have like a really broken view on health. And if we all came together, oh my gosh, the the human body would Mm -hmm. win. It would be incredible. So let's finish up with this thought. So, um, and thank you for letting me pick your brain. Like, I'm just like one of those people that sometimes questions get stuck in my head and I can't get them out. And I love bringing experts like you on and like hearing your opinion and hearing how how you're putting it into action. Yeah. So let's do the... So here are five questions made specifically for you. My first question is, if you could go back to your younger self, go back to the guy that was about to start Navy SEAL training and give him some advice, it could be on life, it could be on health, what would you say to him? I'd say lighten up and stop taking yourself so seriously. Yep. (laughs) We've had a couple people when we ask him questions similar that say the same thing. So interesting. What are five things that you do on a regular basis to support your health that you're never going to stop doing? You know, I, I protect my sleep like none other. I'm such a baby. I, you know, it's eight o'clock getting to be my bedtime. So my sleep is a non negotiable. My workouts and, and yoga, my nature walks. Gosh, what else? Honestly, just having time alone to be able to decompress mm-hmm. and 
recharge, uh, look inwards and introspect. You know, these are just some of my daily practices that allow me to put my best foot forward and, and show up at my best so I can actually, you know, serve humanity. So mm-hmm. agreed. How much sleep do you think we need? You know, the seven, nine hours, it, it works. Uh, some people a little less, some people a little bit more. I'm, I'm a more kind of person. I like my nine hours, anything less than eight and a, like eight and I'm not feeling so hot. So yeah. Awesome. Do you track your sleep? Not really. You know, there's so much going on up here all the time that sometimes like tracking data just becomes a little bit noisy. I think the aura rings are really cool. I think HRV is really handy technology to kind of get a little bit more in tune. You know, I like to think that these gadgets or whether it's food logging or HRV, whatever it is, I think the goal should be to use the external data to reconnect with our internal biofeedback and, and you know signals that the body's trying to communicate to us. So I try to be very in tune and intuitive with listening to what, what this needs. Yeah. I, I had the Aura Ring for a while and then it stopped pairing. So I'm trying to figure out why it's not pairing. So I just got... We're trying in my office the Whoop Band. Yeah. And same thing. Yeah, it's awesome. And you can get a little obsessive about it. And then I... It, so like then I have a competition with like myself from yesterday. And I'm like, okay, what can I do to like better that? And so I like that. But then there, you can get a little obsessive about the information and lose sight of the intuition that you need to tap into. Yeah, so, exactly. But, they're, but they're, they're awesome. Okay, if you could pull one toxin out of the environment right now, what would that toxin be? I mean, it, it would have to be glyphosate. There, there's no no doubt about it. That's the, the most prevalent, the biggest, the most problematic, I think. So uh, hands down, glyphosate. Yep, I would agree. Okay, number four, fourth question. What what mentor or who? which one of your mentors has had the greatest impact on you? That's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I've been really privileged to be connected to some amazing figures that I'm just so deeply grateful. The top three that come to mind would be my friend, Dr. Carrie Jones. Oh, we love Carrie. Yeah, I she's so her on. She's great. We, we connect on Instagram a lot. Yeah. She's, and she's doing great stuff. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. She educates. If you guys want hormone information, go find Dr. Carrie Jones on Instagram because she yeah. is relentless yeah. with providing information. She's really she was she was like the the first figure that I really befriended in this industry, and she's such a great ambassador and, oh, yeah. and role model, and such a kind, caring person. So she's high up there, and then Karan Krishnan with Microbiome Labs. He inspires me so much. Zach Bush inspires me. But as far as kind of more of a direct mentor figure, my professional mentor is Dr. Brian Walsh, who he chooses to kind of fly off the radar. You know, he he intentionally disconnects a little bit, but he's such a wealth of knowledge, so humble and, and knows physiology and science unlike anybody I really know. So he's, he's kind of my mentor, but those are some of my other inspirational figures. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Okay. And then my last question is, if you had one message for the world that you could get into everybody's brain, what would that message be? That's a tricky one. That's such a big one. You know, I, I think... I think primarily it's one of those you have the power to heal yourself. Like in and you you've got to look within. Like whatever it is that you're looking for, you're not gonna find it out there. You're you're gonna find it inside. So look internally first, I think is my my main message. 
I love that. That you know, when we ask that question, that all of our guests get asked that one. There's two very common answers. One is it's all about love and mm. just come back to love, and the other one is what you just gave. You gotta yeah. you gotta start to believe in your own healing again. And I think that if we actually want to take a series of everybody's message and put them together, because to your point, we're more similar in what we're trying to accomplish on uh, those of us that are stepping out into the world of social media and trying to get education out there. There's a common theme that goes through all of us. And mm-hmm. when you start seeing all the different platforms, you see that theme. So, And yeah. your powerful is a big one. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. This was awesome. Thank you, Brendan. I so appreciate you taking your time. And how do people find you? Oh, absolutely. On Instagram, it's the Holistic Savage, uh, which is kind of fun. It. And then the the business is Metabolic Solutions. So Facebook or Google website, we're we're not too hard to find. But those are kind of the two main ones. But I, I right. want to say thank you to you though. This this was such a fun, refreshing conversation. I love your energy, and thank you. it really does mean the world. You know, I know how it is with we're, you know, very empathetic people that are just trying to pour. And I know it, it takes so much time and effort and resources to pour this kind of content. So I really appreciate the opportunity and, and had so much fun talking to you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I'm like you. I'm just trying to wake people up. Yeah. And I just... There's too much need... in like People don't need to suffer to the degree that they're suffering. Right. They're suffering because they haven't been given this, the right information. And I'm so grateful for social media because we can give them the information and then help them think for themselves. That's really like the yeah. biggest thing is like, we got to start thinking for ourselves. Right. So, But we yeah. need better sources of information to do that. So thank you for what you're doing as well. This was awesome. Have a beautiful day. Hey, you too. I'm sure we'll talk soon. We will. I hope hope we get to meet face-to-face someday. (laughs) Absolutely. And maybe I can get you on my podcast one of these Yeah, I'd love to. Anytime you want to talk fasting, sign me up. I, I, I could talk for hours on fasting. Oh, I'd love to. We'll make it happen. Awesome. Thank you, Brendan. Okay. Thank you. Have a good Uh one. You too. Bye. Bye. Resetters, this podcast today is sponsored by Ion Biome, the amazing product created by Zach Bush, who is one of the most brilliant people to walk this planet. If you're not following him on Instagram, I highly recommend it. He is doing some amazing work for the environment, for agriculture, for regenerative farming. He's just an amazing human being. And we love his product, Ion Biome, which he created Given the fact that humanity is facing a global crisis between pesticides, antibiotics, disease outbreaks, environmental pollutants, the number of toxins that we're coming in contact every day that's working against our mental and physical health. And so what Ion Biome does, it's it's a gut-strengthening, soil-derived supplement that goes beyond a probiotic to help your microbiome flourish on its own in a natural way. And it supports your body via redox signaling to rebuild the gut lining and and maintain that tight junction integrity for proper barrier support. And this function creates a domino effect of good health because it helps promote immune function, mental clarity, respiratory and digestive wellness. Simply put, it helps you thrive. And if you've listened to Dr. Mindy before, then you know that 70% of your immune system resides in the gut lining. Thus, when the gut lining is compromised, the immune system is compromised. If we've learned anything from 2020, we are living in an immune-compromised society. 
So we use it, everybody here um, on Dr. Mindy's team uses it. I use it with myself, my whole family. I use it with my pets. You just take approximately one teaspoon before each meal. It's really great if you know that you're going to be going out to a restaurant that may not be all organic, or if you're going to a relative's house that maybe is serving something that's not all organic or it has gluten, it really works great against those products and, and not allowing those products to create holes within the lining of your gut. So uh, about 20 minutes before each meal is when it's best taken. I do it twice a day. And you can find Ion Biome on revelationhealth.com. And if you use the promo code The Resetter Podcast, you get 10% off your first order. That's T-H-E-R-E-S-E-T-T-E-R-P-O-D-A-S-T for 10% off your first order. The link is in the show notes, but we love Ion Biome. It's one of the only supplements that we recommend for somebody to be on long-term because we are constantly coming in contact with all those things that I mentioned before, pesticides, environmental pollutants. We don't have any control over those. So protect yourself by using Ion Biome. Okay, resetters. So I say this over and over again, like I wish, I mean, if you listen to all of our podcasts, I hope you start to see the common threads that run through them all because it's so interesting to me to have these conversations with people. And there are general themes that just emerge every time. Like what he said at the end is like, your body heals itself. I just, we, we can't say that enough. And it's hard because the world's going to tell you the opposite. The doc, your medical doctor is not going to. I mean, the, you wouldn't need your medical doctor if you walked into their medical into their office and they said your body's going to heal it yourself. Start fasting. Like there, nobody would. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Like nobody. There, there's no incentive. There's no financial incentive for them to do that. So what I loved about this conversation is just that, like everything he was talking about was about how the body can do it, but that we're in this toxic overload that's suppressing our body's ability to be able to heal. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, like you said, it's one of the messages that every guest that we have on, everybody that's trying to think outside of the box, everybody that's trying to educate and give people the power back to be in tune with their own body and make their own decisions. It's it's really cool. And hopefully one day, maybe the medical system will pick it up and maybe start empowering their patients a little bit more. But until then, all we can do is continue to educate and bring information to you guys to enlighten you to self-reflect, I think, a little bit. Like what he said about mold was was incredible of all these people that he sees that have lived in a house that their basement's been flooded 10 times or or like you said, mold keeps appearing in the shower and yet they don't make any correlation to the mold that they're sitting and breathing in every day to like what their depression or their anxiety. And so I yeah. feel like that's, that's the power of this podcast is bringing self-reflect information to have self-reflection on your own health, I guess. Yeah, uh, agreed. And I wanted to dive a little deeper into asking him some things about his ex-fiance. I mean, that was quite a story that I was not expecting him to say. But the reason I wanted to dive deeper is that if you guys are either know you're dealing with mold toxicity or you love somebody who's dealing with mold toxicity, and we have seen several people in our environment that we love dearly deal with it, it is a mind game like you will not believe. They can see life so darkly. They can be so depressed. They don't see the way out. 
more than any other toxin I've seen, mold can hijack your brain. And how sad is it that she, she was not able to overcome that? Yeah. Well, and we've talked about mold before with Dr. Anne Marie, and then we touched on it a little bit with Cameron, with Cameron oh, yeah. and, and just how, I mean, Anne Marie has cl- patients that she sees, but Cameron kind of touched on it a little bit and how it just turned his mind. And I, I just don't think people t- think it's as serious as it really is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, if there's one thing that I want you guys to get from this podcast, this what particular one is if you have mold and you're in a depressed state or a chronic fatigue state or a loved one has it, please take it seriously. It, there are things you can do. There are tests. I mean, reach out to us. We're happy to kind of post, uh, point you in the direction of what we've done with it. But it is a serious thing that's not being talked about enough, which is why it shocked me when I was going through his Instagram and he had this Instagram post about how he didn't intend to be talking about mold. He was sort of forced into it because of this girlfriend. And I now looking back, I think it might have been around the time she killed herself. So that was a big... I just... I want... I hope people get out of this one, the intensity mold has on Mm -hmm. your health. Mm -hmm. And then what did you think about, what did you think his, could you tell what his toxin was going to be that he wanted to remove from the environment? I mean, I feel like, again, common theme between, between many of us that are thinking outside the box is that we are all on a mission to get glyphosate out of our world. So I wasn't surprised with what he said, especially given the fact of who he likes and just some of his discussion around Zach Bush when you guys were talking about it. It doesn't surprise me. Zach Bush will be happy to hear that that is his toxin that he wants to remove the most. Well, I'm gonna. I I'm. I think we need to put that into our five questions for everybody now. At least ones that are dealing with healthcare uh, and know anything on toxicity. I'm gonna ask Zach Bush that question when we bring him in. And <laughs> I feel like I I'm sure he would say glyphosate, but who knows. Well, I mean, what else would you think he would say? I, I don't know. That man surprises me all the time. That's so true. <laughs> next time I get to interview him, I will, I'm going to ask him that question and see what, see what he says. What did you think of... He's one of the rare interviews we've had where he's really on a path to bring health coaches and functional medicine doctors together. I, you know, I think there's something really interesting about that. I, I know that our mission has been to really reach the medical doctors to bring them into the science of fasting. I thought it was really interesting. It was like he was on a different end of the spectrum trying to do the same thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like for the most part, anybody that's in the health model, and I would say the majority of people are go into it to help to help people. And I think what ends up happening is you find so many practitioners that ha- all the things that they've learned are failing them, that they're not helping people anymore, that the reason that they went into this career is not fulfilling them because they're not seeing people get healthy. So, I mean, I think what he's doing is amazing. And I think just, we've talked a lot about this with chiropractic. Like if we could all just be cohesive together and wanting to heal the world, like we could make so much progress, but there's so much like that competitive mindset that I'm the only that my way is the right way yep. kind of destroys our unity in that. Yeah. I think also the fundamental difference is that do you believe the body is self-healing or do you believe that it needs outside sources? Right. And I, I think there's a way to bring both of those together 
And I wish that that's going to, you know, part of what I'm really want to make our main focus is like, how do we bring all these people together so that the person wins? And, you know, and that's what we're trying to do for you guys here on this podcast is, and I say it to my Reset Academy all the time is, I want to give you the tools to think for yourself. I don't want to tell you this is what you should believe. I want to give you the paradigm that I see all of us winning in and then you find the path that works for you. And I I really think we need more people doing that personally. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you think of Wi-Fi? I I think I want to bring the non-tinfoil guy on. I was actually thinking that when you brought up his strategies. Because we did talk to him, didn't we? No, we talked to the guy. This was like a year and a half ago. And he has a website that was Oh, the Defender Shield. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy you remember. Yes. I'm I'm like, we had a conversation with somebody, but I can't remember it. Yeah. I mean, I think that we've had this conversation with a couple people on simple things that you can do, like shut off your Wi-Fi at night or don't put your phone next to your bed. Although I don't know how many people actually think that that's as serious as it really is. Yep. But I do think that there are some extremes that not everybody is going to be able to do. And it's a little unrealistic. Yeah. But yet you need to be educated on it. So, you know, like the thing about Klinghart, that was the study I saw. So Klinghart, to give you guys some idea, is Dr. Klinghart is like... He was like the father of mold. Like he was the one that like brought mold to the mold illness to the functional medicine world. And one of his theories is that Wi-Fi agitates and invigorates these mold spores. So if you take somebody who has mold in their brain and you put an AirPod in their ear, that's bringing Wi-Fi to their ear, to their brain. Now you've got more brain fog, more problems, more depression. So I think on that level and that kind of conversation needs to be had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm more talking about like the the wall drapes. Oh, the wall drapes. I think for sure somebody with massive mold illness, like, and we've seen this with some of our clients that you used to coach who have had massive mold illness when they did those things, we saw improvement. Yeah. But for the average person who's not realizing how horrible AirPods are or how much the Wi-Fi in your house is affecting you or maybe your kids focus at school or things like that. I think it's super relevant and needs to be talked about. Did you notice he didn't have AirPods in? He had he had a the old-fashioned headset. I, I feel like when I go running and I have the old-fashioned headset in with the not the AirPods, I feel like I might as well have like a boom box on my shoulder. Like <laughs> I know it's like outdated, but I'm like, I'm not putting those AirPods in my head. My And my son is all, all about the AirPods. I'm like, nope, you, you can buy it with your own money. I'm, you're not using my money to go buy those AirPods because I, I do think you are you now have attracted the Wi-Fi completely to your brain. So it's it, it's just a tough conversation. It's so hard. So we'll bring you. We're going to bring you the non tinfoil guy. He yes. he's really great. He has some resourceful ways, and he's fun to chat with. So and he's got a book. It's like non tinfoil guys guides guide to EMFs. You can find it on Amazon. So. Yeah, yeah. 
but I hope, you, I, I hope you guys got a lot out of this. We really, I wanted to bring him to you so we could talk about mold. Go listen to the interview that we did with Dr. Ann. She talked about neurotransmitters and mold. If this is of interest, please go to our Instagram, the Resetter Podcast Instagram and comment on this episode. Let us know if you want to hear more on mold. We'll keep bringing you mold, more mold experts because it is something that needs to be unfortunately brought to the surface. And some of you won't, you know, mold will never enter into your sphere, but some of you, it is the solution to your health crisis. Absolutely. Yeah. As always, we hope that helps. You put the whole foods in, you take all empty foods out, you put organic food in, and you shake bad toxins out. You eat keto That's what it's all about. You put fast cycling in, you take over eating out, you put the good fats in, trying seven fast types out. You download Carb Manager where your food is all graphed out. That's what it's all about. That's what resetting is all about.